Hi, everybody. Welcome to the March 2nd, 2018 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Nizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on an Aurora High School student's rejection letter from Texas Wesleyan University making national news this week and getting a coach fired. Cherokee Trail High School senior Gavin Bell received a letter from head baseball, I guess former head baseball coach Mike Jeffcoat, saying the school doesn't accept Colorado students because they have trouble passing drug tests and he should thank liberal politicians. Patty Calhoun from Westward, this was, uh, I, yeah, I guess I don't really feel bad for a guy getting fired saying something so outrageous, but it was certainly interesting to see this in national headlines. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, many athletes will tell you that cannabis is great for the pain and helping them out. So there's one thing. Now with the majority of Americans polling that they want cannabis to be legalized, you can have rules for your teams about behavior while you're on your team, but to have a carte blanche against all Colorado athletes because they might be potheads was about as stupid as everything we're going to talk about later in this show. <laughs> here, here. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Um, I guess uh, pot discrimination is not uncommon against Coloradans. We know about, as you know, uh, if you gr cross into Wyoming or Nebraska with Colorado plates, the odds are you're going to get some extra attention from the authorities. Uh, were you surprised to see something so blatant from a former baseball coach? No, and I, I think he what he said was stupid and wrong. I don't think it was. I think it was excessive for him to be fired. First of all, he coaches and he's governed by the National Collegiate Athletic Association, which is one of the worst large organizations in our country. But it does mandate drug testing for student athletes. Marijuana is on the prohibited list. Any coach in any sport who has a finite number of scholarships, and if you give scholarships to some guy who keeps becoming ineligible because he fails drug tests, we lost something, the opportunity to let some, have somebody else who could play. He's been a, he, he was at Texas Wesleyan for 15 years. He was a Sooner Athletic Conference Coach of the Year twice, including in 2016. He shouldn't have said it, but I, th I think it is an example of our outrage culture in another example going way too far that you say one dumb thing and they have to destroy your life for it. Eric Sonnen, political consultant. I mean, I, I get David's point. This wasn't a Woody Hayes uh, um, uh, abuse uh, face mask grab here, but it was pretty stupid. Uh, was Did the punishment fit the crime? Oh, probably not. David's probably right in terms of the outrage machine, which now just works on overdrive 24-7, 365. Uh, the difference in these times versus past times is in past times you could do something really stupid, but it stayed localized. And now with the Internet, it just flies at, 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 at warp speed. Uh, what this guy did was stupid. To me, it really speaks to you know what the stereotype is out there of Colorado, what the reputation is out there of Colorado. Obviously, it's a false reputation. I would hope the NCAA may have some other issues to worry more about, such as under under table payoffs to athletes and and a bunch of other stuff. Um, you know, I think baseball will survive without Mr. Jeff Coat, um, but. Uh, and he'll land somewhere, whatever. Ben Gill, public affairs consultant, rounds at the table. So uh, do you think that uh, Colorado will, I mean, it's clearly in this case we brunt a little bit more of this kind of pot discrimination, but now there's 33 states with some form of legalized marijuana. I can't imagine we'll be bearing this brunt alone very much longer. 
No, and I got to believe that the coach was interested in recruiting kids from California. <laughs> um, Texas also has a limited medical cannabis program, so pretty silly. I think, you know, the outrage machine is what it is. I think we all operate in the world today. There's no reason to think about what would have happened 15 years ago because it's not 15 years ago. I'm sure the guy was aware of things like Twitter and email and Facebook. So pretty stupid, pretty obnoxious. Glad to see he's gone. Members of the Colorado State House had have a vote scheduled for Friday on whether to expel State Representative Steve Websock following a recent sexual harassment investigation. To be expelled, a two-thirds majority or 44 votes would be needed. Meanwhile, Senate President Kevin Grantham is calling for the Denver District Attorney's Office to look into any sexual harassment claims at the Capitol that constitute assault. And a special note here, we're taping this right around 12.15 every Friday, and we have yet to see the vote, uh, the, the results. So clearly when you're watching this tonight at 8 o'clock, as you always do every week, kind viewers, uh, we already know the results, but right now we do not. So, Patty, I'll throw it to you. We don't know the official vote. How do you think this will go, and should there be an expulsion vote for Representative Lepsock? Well, first, let's have a caveat. If people were fired for saying one dumb thing, I certainly wouldn't be sitting at this table, <laughs> and I'm not sure about the rest of us. And I'm going to proceed we to say yeah. we're going to proceed to say many more dumb things because we don't know what is happening at the Capitol right now. <laughs> Given that caveat. People have been doing criminally stupid things, but they are not, in many cases, rising to the level of an actual crime. Um, someone has to make a complaint to the Denver District Attorney, speaking of criminally stupid, before, before the Denver District Attorney is going to investigate what's going on at the Capitol. You know, it's the Capitol's job to, and the voters, first of all, it's the voters' job to get rid of the criminally stupid people, if they possibly can. Or otherwise, the backup is the Capitol doing what they're doing today. If you look at the investigations that have been done into not just Lepsock, this I'm really concerned by this uh, more likely to have happened than not standard, which is making this whole thing look like a witch hunt. There's no question that Lepsock has done some criminally stupid things. They're not things it sounds like that he could ever be charged for criminally. But criminally stupid, but does that mean that for the first time in a century they should vote to expel this member? Uh, I'm guessing they won't rise. It will not happen today because, first of all, people are going to be concerned about the precedent. They're going to be concerned about the fact that is more likely to have happened than not. If it's not good enough for a court of law, is it good enough for getting rid of a colleague, an elected official, who technically the voters should have that choice? You also have people who may not be voting not because of honorable things, but because they're worried about their own problems. And where does the litmus test start and end? David, whether or not Lepsock is expelled today, uh, it's historic that they're at least considering it. Uh, your father was one of the preeminent people who understood how the legislature worked, legislature worked and uh, all the different things that really should, should go, should, that should happen. Uh, as, as you look at both your, your father's legacy and what's happening right now, are we, is the legislature going down the right path to solve this problem? Well, they're, they're go, uh, doing the appropriate procedures, which is the uh, a motion to expel, which requires two-thirds votes, so you, you, you need a, a, a strong case. Um, there are some, sort, some gray areas in here. I mean, well, first of all, the, the uh, Employers' Council report, which, you know, the redacted version is, is on, on the web. Some of the redactions are kind of funny. Like, they talk about, they redact the name of someone 
who in that same paragraph talks about her role as speaker of the Colorado House of Representatives. And I want to know who that is, uh, you know, but we can't find out from that report. Nor, in fact, is, I mean, Faith Winter, of course, was the one who came forward with this. Her name never appears in it. Lebsock's name never appears in it. So I'm not sure what's going on. But in, in, in any case, um, what the legislature can do by the, the Constitution is uh, both, bought, both the House and the Senate can make rules providing punishment for its members or for other persons for contempt or disorderly behavior in its presence. So there's nothing in, in, in here that constitutes a crime. Adultery and fornication, for which we have many alleged propositions, therefore, uh, are not crimes in Colorado. Uh, and there's and there's no assault in there that is, that a DA would investigate by by Faith Winter's version of what happened at that the, the Stoney's bar. After he kept propositioning her, he was kind of drunk and and moved forward to to like take her arm, and she was uh, and he kind of stumbled and and so that's not that's bad that's improper behavior, but it, it's not I don't think a, a criminal assault. But the legislature isn't limited to expelling people for crimes. Disorderly behavior. You can plausibly say that repeatedly propositioning people in the legislative building, we've got one example of that, uh, if you believe all the allegations. There are lots of these other things occurred in other contexts, like with his a consultant for his state treasurer campaign. Now, the legislature said, oh, Paul Rosenthal, against Democrat whom there are allegations for stuff when he was running for office, they said, oh, that doesn't count because he was, it's not in the legislature's presence. So is in, the pre in the presence of the legislature, does that include parties that take place off-site, other events like that? It, it, it's not clear, and I guess that's a matter of each individual legislator's judgment. Eric, there's uh, some political pragmatism going on here, too, because to get the two-thirds votes, there's 37 Democrats. Clearly, Lepsuk's not going to vote for his own expulsion. So, and they were still working on a few Democratic votes. And they would need a, lot of, uh, a good chunk of Republicans, at least need 10 or 11, mm -hmm. depending on how many Democrats they had with them. If there's a Republican sitting there is, uh, in, in the House, do they look at it more as a pragmatic vote of saying, hey, uh, you should just have Lebsock there in your Democratic caucus and deal with it because that's going to hurt the other party. Uh, or uh, do, you get, uh, do you get punished later with ads against you in the general election by saying, hey, here's a Republican that didn't stand up for women, assuming this can be generalized at that point. Uh, what, what's, what would have been the safer bet for Republicans in this, in this vote? Well, again, we don't know. <clears throat> right. This is unfolding between the time we tape and the time this airs, and so, so, so it goes. I think all legislators, but particularly Republicans or particularly legislators who haven't committed on this issue, are in a damned if they do, damned if they don't position. No one is having a good time at the Capitol right now. It's a, it is a miserable, uh, a, a miserable episode that they're all living through. I want to focus not on the House but on the Senate because I think the other chamber is actually perhaps the most important one driving this dynamic. You have complaints against at least two Republicans in the state Senate, Randy Baumgartner, Jack Tate. I think one of the hesitations of Republicans in the House to expel Lebsock is that then it then puts the onus on their own party across the, across the hall in the Senate as to what they're going to do with their own members. So they're wanting to set the bar. I think President Grantham, Senate President Grantham yesterday, with his idea of that prior to an expulsion vote, there should be a criminal investigation by the Denver District Attorney. 
I think that's the wrong bar. As David pointed out, the legislature has the authority to establish their own standards. And I think wherever you put that line, wherever you put that bar, it doesn't need to be, is this criminal conduct that can land you in the state pen? I think the legislature um, is entitled to set a significantly higher bar than that. I don't know how I would vote, to be honest with you, if I was sitting there. I'm glad I'm not. My hat is off to Casey Becker, the majority leader who's been driving this in the House, obviously to Faith Winter. I was at a luncheon earlier this week, totally coincidental, was seated at a table next to one of the complainants, not Representative Winter, but one of the other complainants. None of these women deserve this kind of treatment. Having it happen under the Gold Dome, which is supposed to be you know, where people rise to the occasion instead of sinking to the occasion uh, is, is disgusting. The question is, and the Denver Post in its editorial this morning said this was too extreme a remedy. We're not talking about other remedies which would be a censure or, and or a recall. Now, a recall in Lepsock's case is probably meaningless because he's done here in two months at the end of the session, but it's not necessarily meaningless going forward or in the case of some of the state senators. Ben, uh, as Eric put, there's a lot of glass houses on Capitol Hill. Do you think that will affect the vote? Again, we don't know the results of it at this point, but do you think that affected it one way or the other? Without question, and, it, and it's been a huge driver in, in the build-up to the vote and all the drama and tension around is there going to be a vote, and I think it's been a driver with uh, factions on, on both sides of the aisle wanting to delay and delay and delay because they don't want to be subject to that scrutiny themselves. And as Eric alluded to, there are some standing problems uh, for some of the GOP senators. So um, they're no doubt watching this very closely and with extreme concern about their own colleagues. I, I think that um, ultimately this issue is a loser for everybody who doesn't want to force a vote and who doesn't want to have a clear outcome. I, I think particularly for those legislators that are in suburban swing districts that are high, highly competitive, there's, there's really no good way forward here other than to say we have to have a vote, we have to have clarity. Because uh, then you can at least say, hey, I voted my conscience and I voted to, to you know, have transparency as opposed to calling for more BS. <laughs> A Denver police officer and former member of Mayor Michael Hancock's security details spoke with 7 News this week about sexually suggestive texts she received from the mayor six years ago. The mayor publicly apologized to Detective Leslie Branchwise, the city of Denver, and his family, while never denying the allegations. Community groups and activists are calling for his resignation, which Mayor Hancock states he doesn't plan to do at this time. Uh, David, this was a... A wacky story from all different angles between the letter that inspired the Kovaleski report and the fact that it was six years ago, everything else. What are, what's your impression of what we've seen so far this week? I, I think his conduct was improper. I, given that it was six years ago and we don't have any examples of, of repetition of it since then, I don't think he should resign. And all the more so because an election's coming up anyway. Although, for, for folks who are playing along at home, get out your bingo cards. Because the Denver, we haven't, one of the reasons we haven't had an investigation is because there's nobody, and only people in the Denver city government can call for an investigation. And as the Denver Sheriff's Fraternal Order Police, which of course represents the, uh, the bodyguard um, uh, of the mayor, he, he explained, you're not going to get a true investigation because of what you have in this form of government is an appointed police chief, an appointed sheriff. 
and he explains that you need somebody that's independent of this strong mayoral government. The Denver mayoral government is much more like a monarchy uh, than our state form of government is, and with so much power centralized in the mayor, we have an independent city auditor for that reason. We likewise need to have the police chief and the sheriff independently elected and not under the mayor's thumb, and they might then, under those circumstances, be more aggressive in standing up for the rights of their employees. That is indeed a very surprise benefit for, for all the folks playing David Copel CIO bingo out there, getting Denver should elect its sheriff. Uh, that, that was going to be a long shot this week, so well, well done, David, well Thank done. Uh, Eric, uh, the, the lightheartedness aside, this, the, the, all the different aspects of the story just uh, get murky, get, uh, get sticky, as my producer and I were talking about this. What was your impression from what we've seen and how it might go forward? It was a surprise. I mean, uh, there were all these questions in a related field about Michael Hancock when he took office now six or seven years ago. But now people, I think, have put that over in the past tense. Now he's brought a lot of those questions back into the, into the current tense. I do not think a resignation is coming or is in order or is required under the current circumstance. If this is as bad as it gets, I'm not making any excuse for it. Uh, and it is bad and ugly, and particularly the text about landing in Las Vegas, let's go party. Uh, you know, I'm not expecting him to sit in his hotel room and read policy papers all night, but, uh, you know, maybe a little more decorum if you're flying there on, on, on tax dollars. Uh, the real question, the only question in my mind, Dominic, from a political point of view, is, is this it, or is this just the first shoe, and there's now going to be shoe number two, shoe number three, shoe number four? If there are further things, as we saw with Lebsock, one person comes forward and then all of a sudden two more and then all of a sudden two more after that. If there are more people coming forward, that totally changes the calculus and all bets are off. For now, he survives and I do have to say, the way he handled it in a very tough circumstance, there's no good way of handling something like this. He was, his tone of contrition was, as I called it in the paper, sort of un-Trump-like. I mean, he was not on the attack, not on the war path, and not defensive either. So he gets good points for the contrition, but he better hope that there's not more to be contrite about. Ben, we've seen so far the report. We've seen the interview with, Dr., uh, with Detective Branchwise, and then Detective Branchwise accept the apology. Um, does this end after a uh, complicated and messy week after, after we get through this new cycle for Mayor Hancock? What's going to happen? I think he won't resign. I think that you're looking at uh, a mayor who is already politically vulnerable, who already had a lot of different uh, factions within the city being very unhappy. There is a general uh, tone citywide of uh, frustration with the amount of development and construction and you know, I mean, even my non-political friends are complaining to me about traffic. So I think you're looking at somebody who is already a little bit weaker than maybe he, he might have been, who's now going to likely face a, a, a deeper and more substantial set of uh, opponents in the next election. And I don't know, obviously, if, if more is going to drip, but I think that the, the real issue here for the mayor is that this is, this is not an isolated incident. He, he came into office uh, under a cloud with the Players Club scandal. Um, I think that's going to resurface. I think there, there have been a lot of uh, rumors floating around, many of which were, were listed in this anonymous letter that was sent out that prompted a lot of this stuff with uh, Detective Branch Wise. So I think he's, he's got a rocky road in front of him. 
Um, and I think, frankly, he will run for re-election because he's got nothing else to do. There's not a huge uh, market for him in the private sector. He has almost no upward mobility at this time. And I think given the broader context of what's happening in our society with the Me Too movement and the Time's Up, um, he's got nowhere to go. So if he wants to stick around, he can maybe be mayor again. But frankly, I doubt it, and I hope not. <laughs> you've, you've often made that uh, point pretty very clear. clear very yeah, clear. it's uh, 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 Patty, um, we've had to talk about sexual harassment issues for a while. You get to lead off on the last topic because of the way we do things. We haven't been able to hear from you on a lot of this stuff. So the floor is yours. What did you think? And Westward was one of the many media outlets that received one of these anonymous letters. So how this all started to where we got to now, your thoughts? Well, my first thought is if we're concerned about behavior, anyone accused of this is perfectly capable of being president of the United States. <laughs> I mean, we are seeing the same problems at the top. And those have been, you know, some of those accusations have been documented, too. I mean, we saw the tape about what he felt he could grab. So let's remember that. There are, uh, this starts at the top and maybe ends at the top. What, he's, what he texted to the detective on his security staff was, uh, not a crime, but criminally stupid. I mean, really, to find out that your mayor is texting things just that locker room, to quote Trump, <laughs> locker room dumb is disheartening. But if no more comes in that area, I think Eric's right. You know, he is not, he's not going to resign, and he'll at least survive it through the rest of his term, and then it'll be up to him to decide if he wants to run for president or not. There will be a group that's calling, uh, they're calling for his resignation next week. We, we're going to hear a lot more about that. But I would love to have us wake up and not hear about who said another stupid thing to a woman or behaved badly with a woman in 2018 and instead start talking about the things that we really care about in this city. Let's care, talk about growth. Let's talk about developers who are getting away with things, cramming our city more than we want it to be. Let's actually talk about those issues and everyone else just remember to behave themselves. Behave themselves indeed. It's time for us to not behave ourselves because we get into our favorite part of the show, which is Disgrace of the Week. And as always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. I'm returning to the legislature where Lori's saying, get your facts straight before you go and talk at a town hall. The, her citation is very bad, but she said that the Columbine, before they were the Columbine killers, actually were going to lobby the legislature for gun control. Not true. We have enough myths of <laughs> Columbine. Make sure you're talking about the facts we know. Can't imagine the trench coat mafia founding a lobbying firm. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Uh, David. The Columbine criminals were not part of the trench coat mafia. That was an early rumor Thank that was very correction. big and very harmful to some students who were just kind of on their own social fringe and had nothing to do with that. I appreciate the correction. Okay. Not to mention Burberry. <laughs> Absolutely. The, uh, we're celebrating this uh, season, the holiday of Purim, which was when the Jews who were in Babylon rose up and killed those who were coming to try and exterminate all of them. And the same issue is going on today. Thank God for the state of Israel. Eric. There is a culture of payouts, and it relates to the other issue, where I think voters, and myself included, get more and more frustrated where any bad behavior by a public official just results in a check being written with our dollars. The whole, whatever its connection to the Hancock piece here, the whole Wayne McDonald thing, where he walked away five or six years ago with $200,000 of our dollars. Up at CSU, you have a very abusive basketball coach who shouldn't have been there for a lot of years. 
he's walking away with 750,000 of our dollars. It's not about just those specifics. It's about a broader culture where we pay for other people's misdoings. Ben. You know, Eric recognized it, and I actually disagree. I thought the mayor's apology was pretty weak. He deflected. He mentioned his friend Wayne McDonald. He suggested that the officer should have communicated more. You know, to me, the number one lesson in, in apologizing is to own your mistake, and he failed to do so, and he should be embarrassed. Time to see something nice about somebody. Patty? Well, appropriately enough, on March 8th, it's International Women's Day. Let's actually go out and talk about the accomplishments of a lot of women. We won't have true equality until we can get past what we're talking about now that make it seem like it's impossible for a woman to function in the world without some slime ball hitting on her. Everyone needs to behave better and let women continue to be, be the leaders they become. Here, here. David. Well, I, I guess it would be me because this week I was quoted in, in The Guardian, the, the English newspaper, uh, staunchly criticizing Trump for breaking his campaign promises and supporting gun control, at least for a particular window, till he's named. He keeps flip-flopping on that, but I, I, he should be solid on it, given that that's how he got elected. So I criticized him for that, and I've been informed by uh, the Trump cultists on Twitter that I am, in fact, a liberal snowflake. Ah, yeah, I'd always had that thought about yeah, you. So yeah. I think it was especially when you were uh, defending that, that, that Second Amendment case in the U.S. Supreme Court. Liberal snowflake was the first thing that came to my mind. We were all snowflakes there. <laughs> Isn't that what you run under his name? Yes, yeah, usually. Independence Institute, a.k.a. Liberal Snowflake. Eric. All the Twitter sphere. <laughs> to Patty's point about giving women credit, let me give credit to one woman here who distinguished herself in the last week. Columnist Mona Charan, very conservative columnist, came out of the Reagan White House and then the first Bush White House, but has always taken an independent tack. She went to CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee, Love Donald Trump Love Fest conference that last week, and she talked some hard truths to them about hypocrisy and everything else to the extent that she had to be escorted away by three armed security guards. Uh, credit to her for uh, playing against type and, and having an independent voice. Ben. Uh, it's all the women in the legislature that uh, have have raised this issue and to especially the women in the leadership that have, have really forced it uh, forward and, and caused people to take uh, time and reflect and, and force some uncomfortable votes. So kudos to you for some hard work. And I want to say that we received a Say Something Nice submission from a longtime viewer, Elizabeth Gleason, who this week wanted to say something nice about George Sullivan, who passed away in February. George was the Regional Preparedness and Response Manager for the Colorado and Wyoming American Red Cross. He was beloved by his co-workers, serving this community for many years. And I personally want to note that he founded the Hobo Care Boxer Rescue Organization, which I thought was pretty cool, was in his obituary. So in addition to serving this community, he also helped our four-legged friends. He will certainly be missed. That's all the time we have for this edition of Colorado. To Inside Out. Take CIO wherever you go. Check out our podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And we're kicking off our spring membership drive this weekend, so if you enjoy the show, let us know and please consider supporting it by becoming a member. For everyone here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Gazzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night.